So today is Tuesday, the um, 13th of October, and this is Music 316. We'd started to watch a video of some Buddhist musical instruments. And let's pick up from there. We can see that the ceremony starts with that bell that he holds in his hand and strikes with a stick. That instrument is played while the monks walk into the room and he'll play it again when we leave. But we already heard that bell yesterday. So let's move ahead to the end of the bell and now everybody walks over to where they're going to take their place in the ceremony. The monk up at the main altar here is the leader. And everybody gets seated. And the first instrument that we're going to hear then in the ceremony is the nyohachi, the cymbals. And the gong, a metal vessel that he hits with a hammer. Pause there a second. These are two kinds of metal idiophones. What two kinds do they represent? What are the two ways of playing metal idiophones? Concussion and percussion. Which is which? What are these symbols here that he's holding? Those are concussion because they're the same size and shape. And he strikes them together. The gong is percussion because there's one circle of metal that he hits with a hammer. See, two symbols. And I wish we could slow that sound down a little bit because what he is doing with each cymbal stroke, each beat, is hitting the cymbals. And if you could see it and hear it in slow motion, it would go ding, 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 as the energy of the stroke works out against the resilience and the weight of the cymbals, and so it gets faster and faster and quieter and quieter each time he hits the cymbals. And that is the way that you have to play them in this style of music. He's playing beats. I don't um, have an example of the musical notation here, but it is a number notation. 
written not in Chinese or Japanese characters, but in Indian characters, in syllables representing certain sounds in the Sanskrit language from India. And what the notation shows is a series of mathematical patterns of beats that he has to play out. The pattern he's playing right now consists of 42 beats arranged in six groupings. One. One. Two. One. One. Two. Three. And so on. And you hear the stroke of the gun there. So symbols and gong, let's write those down. And how about another metal idiophone, a bell? We already heard that one bell when the monks came into the room. Yeah? I was just wondering, is there stuff written or did they do it like drum circle style where they're kind of improvising it while they're like speaking some verses? No, it's written, or at least the... At least the beats are written down, but the circle style, it's not improvising. You just have to know that when you play that, because that part isn't written. OK, good question. Um, so we already heard the one bell that the guy had in his hand. And that obviously had a handle for him to hang on to. Here are two different sizes of bells. There's a small bell a little bit bigger than the handbell sitting on a cushion in front of him with the opening facing up. And over here is a big bell sitting on a big cushion with the opening facing up. Let's hear how they sound. That's disappointing. Actually, it sounds a lot deeper than that. And the problem, once again, is these very small speakers on the TV. So we'll hear how that big bell actually sounds um, on the CD when we listen to our Buddhist music example. But it's got a much deeper booming sound, boom, because it is so big and uh, with thick metal walls. So that's the big bell, and we'll hear it again. Let's try turning it down a little. can't hear the deep sound of the bell. 
and that's used to mark the end of a verse that they're singing. That's the big bell. How about the little bell? And that's very, that's quite a bit like it really does sound. And that one he's ringing at the ends of, end of each line of the song that the other monk is singing. So different sizes of bells. Here's another idiophone. This one is two wooden sticks. That's obviously another concussion instrument. Here's a percussion instrument. <laughs> this one is called the wooden fish. Mokugyo in Japanese, muyu in Chinese. Um, and let's take a look at the instrument. I have a smaller version of it right here. See, this is the fish. That's the fish's mouth. This is the tail back here. And his body really tapers back from that big mouth to the little tail here. You've got some scales on the sides here. And the inside of this is carved out, so it's hollow. There's a hollow space on the inside. And on the Chinese example on our CD, we'll hear in a few minutes, they play it with a hard hammer, a hard wooden hammer, 
and it sounds and they use it almost like a ticking clock that tick, tick, ticks along with the singing um, as a kind of a time instrument. He's also using it as a time instrument, but he's using a soft padded hammer um, and with the big size of the wooden fish that he's playing, it gives a hollow booming sound almost like a drum. So it's almost like a drum sound, but of course the instrument isn't a drum. It's a different kind of idiophone, and it's an idiophone. It's not a membranophone, obviously. There's no skin, no membrane. So what kind of an idiophone is it? Well, we have two basic types of what we call vessels percussion or concussion vessels, vessel idiophones, because they en enclose a kind of a hollow space. And you can think of vessels as being, you know, like anything that could hold water, a cup, a dish, a bowl, a plate, um, a pot, etc. So these are hollow things that could hold water um, if you poured water into them or they hold a volume of air in much the same kind of way. And so they're very closely related to each other, the gong and the bell. Neither of the instruments I'm going to show you is Chinese, but you can get an idea of the basic difference between them. If I can get this one open. Boy, somebody really twisted that up. Let's see if I can slip it out of here. Okay. That's a bell. And the part down here is even shaped like the Liberty Bell and Western bells. And so it's recognizable to many of you as a bell. And like many Western bells, it has a piece of metal inside that swings freely if you let it go. And that's a clapper that claps or hits against the bell and makes it, makes it ring. But you don't need a clapper to play a bell. You can hit a bell with a hammer. And it still rings. And that's, in fact, how many of the um, Japanese and Chinese bells are played, by hitting them with a hammer or even a big beam of wood that swings over and hits the bell. It doesn't matter. You just need something to hit it with. Now, this gong is a lot bigger than the bell, and um, I didn't have much choice in either instrument today. I could have gotten ones that were much closer in size, and I would be misleading you if you drew a conclusion from these instruments that the difference between bells and gongs is that gongs are bigger. This one is bigger. 
and it produces a deep sound because it's so much bigger. The bell is smaller, it produces a high sound because it's smaller. But you can have small gongs and you can have big bells. So uh, don't let that fool you. The difference in these two instruments, the bell and the gong, is how you make the sound. How am I making the sound on this gong? Am I whistling? You're hitting it with a mallet. I'm hitting it with a mallet. And how am I making the sound on this bell? I'm hitting it with a mallet. So what's the difference? Where? What? Where? Where? OK, where am I hitting this one? Yeah, I'm hitting it on the edge here, on the rim of the instrument. Why? OK. Because I can't hit it where I'm hitting this one. Where did I hit that one? In the middle. In the middle. Why can't I hit this one in the middle? I hit myself in my hand. Well, why don't I just take my hand away? Well, then I'd have to drop it, right? You've got to hang it from something. You have to suspend it from something. If you just hit a bell that's sitting there, you're not going to get much sound out of it because the thing that it's sitting on keeps it from being able to vibrate and ring nicely the way that you want a bell to ring. So you have to suspend it from something. And where am I suspending it from? With my hand. I'm suspending it from the, the middle. And this middle, because my hand is there, is not able to vibrate just a little. Right at the, that's right at the middle there. It's just ringing a little. But if you get away from where it's suspended, out here on the rim, that's free. There's nothing holding that in place. And so it can vibrate and ring. The gong is just the opposite. I can't hit this oh, on the edge for the same reason. I can't hit the bell in the middle, because this is where I'm holding it. This is where I'm suspending it. And if you hit it there, where the bell is suspended, that string is holding it in place and not letting it vibrate freely. But the center is free, and I hit that just as hard as I hit where the string was, and you hear the, hear the difference. The, the gong is free to vibrate in the center. It's suspended by the edge. The bell is free to vibrate at the edge. It's suspended from the center. That's the difference between gong and bell. So here's the, test, the question for the midterm. What are the symbols? Idiophones? Uh, yeah, but what kind of idiophones? And what kind of concussion idiophones? 
Are they concussion guns or concussion bells? Okay. Take a look at the symbols one more time. Where is he holding it? In the center. Where did he hit them? On the edges. The edges are free to vibrate. That's where you play it to make the sound. So the symbols are bells. They're a pair of bells that are matched and played by concussion. Oh, good. So you're all going to pass that question, right? Let's go on to the next level. Um, Got to get my, um, my wooden hammer from over here. What's the wooden fish? What kind of idiophone? Is it a bell or a gong? Am I hitting it at the center? Or am I hitting it near the rim? I'm hitting it near the rim where the opening is. That's where it's free to vibrate. I suspend it by lying it on the back here, on the tail. And the farther back on the tail, the better. So there, the whole mouth, the whole rim opening, is up in the air and exposed and free to vibrate. It's a wooden bell. So somebody said last week, well, there are a lot of different kinds of bells. And that was a good observation. There are a lot of different kinds of bells. The wooden fish is actually a wooden bell. That for unknown reasons um, has been taken over into Western musical ensembles under the name of Chinese temple block. And all I can say is if you tried building a temple out of blocks that were shaped like this, you'd have a pretty shaky temple with a lot of leaks in the walls. So don't try it. On the other hand, I suppose you could give one of these to the guys down at the um, Pike Place Fish Market and have them toss it around and see what sort of sounds they came up with. Um, but it is a wooden fish. And technically, it's a wooden bell. OK, then back to our instruments. So we've got the cymbals. There and over here, just out of sight, we've got the gong. And let's see if we can just get a quick look at the gong. Here's the gong. And that gong is suspended by a rope going to the edges here. And he hits it in the center of the gong, so it vibrates in the center. There's the big bell. There's the little bell. And 
and the concussion sticks. And the wooden fish on its big cushion. And you hear the concussion sticks being played along with it. Tick tock, tick tock. There's the concussion sticks. Guess what? There's the handbell. It has a cloth-covered cloth handle that he's holding in his hand, and he gets up, and that means that it's time now for the monks to walk out of the room. And the ceremony is over. So three different bells, four if you count the wooden fish, gong, cymbals, concussion sticks, and there are various other uh, instruments that get used in the ceremony like this. Here's a big drum, barrel drum, shaped like a barrel with the sides bulging out and skin on both sides. That gets used in some Buddhist ceremonies. We'll hear it on our Chinese recording, Chinese Buddhist recording. This is a lute that doesn't get played in Buddhist ceremonies, but is part of an imagined musical offering that you make in some ceremonies. So you often see pictures of that lute, even though nobody actually plays it during the ceremony. And you often see the lute being played by celestial beings, the Buddhist equivalent of Christian angels, uh, if you want to think of it that way, although that's, that's an oversimplification, uh, beings who live in the Buddhist heavens and play music um, to enhance the heavenly experience. Here's uh, someone, again, with a lute in her hands. And there are all kinds of offerings here at this Buddhist shrine, including offerings of cloth and flowers um, and uh, so on, made, made by worshipers. Um, Buddha statues often receive offerings of light and cloth and incense, um, things that smell good and feel good and taste good, and music, something, something that sounds good. This is a very old temple, one of the oldest Buddhist temples in um, uh, the Tokyo area, um, with images of uh, Buddhas and Buddhist teachers, um, images of celestial beings and um, gods and um, demonic beings. 
there's an elaborate series of Buddhist arts, painting, sculpture, um, architecture, and for want of a better term, interior decoration of creation of many, many different kinds of furnishings and ornaments um, to express uh, what is usually call, called the perfection of the enlightened being. Um, and so you always find a lot of, 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 um, of arts of every kind um, around Buddhist places of worship and performing arts, including music, um, have been an important part of the production of Buddhist arts um, ever since Buddhism was founded over 2,000 years ago. Um, this is a Buddhist monument called the Stupa um, that spread from India all over Asia. Uh, it was originally a funeral mound and became a, symbol, a symbolic de depiction of the structure of the world or the universe. So it becomes the axis that unites heaven and earth um, and provides a place of manifestation for all kinds of enlightened beings and um, uh, spiritual beings from, from beyond the, the earthly plane. And people come to these monuments and worship by walking around them, by making offerings of flowers and incense and other kinds of things. Offering incense here at the front. What you see and hear and smell around these Buddhist monuments is often the, um, these are memorial sticks for ancestors of individuals who have, um, of, uh, who have come to, uh, to place a stick in, uh, in honor of their ancestors. So, so the whole complex is often the production of a whole community. This is one of the oldest songs that came to Japan with Buddhism. It's called Shakujo, and in fact, that's the word that you hear him singing at the very beginning. And the Shakujo refers to this stick that he's holding, which originally was much longer. It was the Buddhist monk's walking stick. And um, so it, the original stick was about this long from the ground up to uh, about head height. And at the very top of the stick, there are metal, there's a metal hoop, or three metal hoops, and there are metal rings hanging from those hoops, so that when you shake the stick or you thump it on the ground, it makes a jingling sound, a ringing sound. There are descriptions, historical descriptions in Japanese books of this song being brought to Japan over 1,200 years ago and being sung by a group of hundreds of Buddhist monks in front of the emperor. Um, so it is indeed one of, one of the oldest Buddhist songs in, um, in Japan. Uh, today, it is still used and it's still very popular, especially for ceremonies like this one. 
And I don't know if you noticed at the very beginning of this, but there's a car here. There's the hood. There's the window. And what he's doing is blessing the car. Somebody brought, brought their new car to the temple to have it blessed. And Shaku Joe is especially appropriate for blessing cars or other machinery because the Shaku Joe is itself a machine. It's got all these moving parts that work together to create, to create the sound. And so uh, singing the song and invoking Shaku Joe and playing the Shaku Joe is a way of attracting good um, energy into the machine and in, in, into the car. Um, and that's, you know, I, w I, wish, we had, I wish we had um, people to Shaku Joe our cars around here because I've got, I've got a car that could really use uh, some of that good energy right now. Um, but um, just a second. We'll take a pause here. Yeah. Um, I was wondering how to spell that. Shaku Joe? Actually, just the way it sounds, S-H-A-K-U-J-O, Shakujo, yeah. Uh, is that word a Sanskrit word? No, that's a Japanese word. Japanese and I can't remember um, the Sanskrit right now. Sorry. Um, but um, that's, what, that's what it's used for. Now, um, Buddhism... Um, in the West has the reputation of being a pretty esoteric, otherworldly um, kind of religion. And um, uh, in uh, different parts of Asia, it is anything but that. I mean, certainly it has its deeper philosophical side and its meditative side. But also um, Buddha Buddhism in uh, East Asia, particularly from early times, has um, been uh, very practical religion associated um, not only with blessings for all kinds of things, including, including machines, but also um, with um, life and death. Um, um, and Buddhist temples were, were where you went when someone died um, because they, they, were the, they were the ones who would deal with funerals and um, with not only care, care of um, and disposal of the dead, but also, um, um, but also with um, helping the bereaved, comforting the um, families who had, who had lost a, a loved one, um, and so on. And um, so even today in Japan, there are yearly ceremonies where, uh, where you go to the temple. Besides the funerals themselves, there are, temp there are yearly ceremonies where you go, go to the temple and um, once again remember your ancestors and pay homage to them and um, uh, uh, do honor to to those who have died, but it's not just people, because one of the um, new uh, adaptations in um, uh, the uh, late 20th century was the um, uh, development of Buddhist funerals for computers, um, and not for the whole computers, but specifically for the CPU, the computer uh, processing unit, the central chip um, that runs the computer so that um, people who wanted to express their gratitude to something that even though not alive um, in a conventional sense had never, nevertheless performed work for them and been a 
uh, good and faithful servant ended up taking um, CPUs to um, um, Buddhist temples um, and um, having funerals done for them. Again, it would be interesting to think about, um, um, about adding this to computer recycling um, in the United States, but, um, but I don't know, that, don't know that we have gratitude um, for our um, good, and good and faithful servants to the same extent. Yeah. No, I have a question about the, the songs or the chants. Are they all? I'm sorry, a question about what? The question is about the songs or the chants. Are uh -huh. they all kind of just monotone, or do they have something oh, no. different than others, have melodies? or? Yeah, they have a lot of different kinds of melodies. And on this um, DVD, because I've been trying to show you instruments, I haven't um, um, selected for a variety of melodies. But now, let's just listen for our last five minutes to the um, example of Chinese Buddhist music on our CD. There you hear bells and wooden, oh, and the drum. Okay, now they start a new melody. And this is a very simple melody. Just three notes. And they're gonna do this for a while. And then, the instruments come in. And the instruments get to do a solo with the big bells and the little bells, the cymbals, the drums, the gong. And then, the woman who's leading the group introduces the next melody. And the group comes in. Oh, but you're not listening. Come back to this tomorrow.